Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA. Championship for Notre Dame. Fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. My co-host is Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. He covers Notre Dame athletics as part of the Rivals Network. We welcome you to the latest installment of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. It is great to have you with us on this final day of January. That month flew by in a hurry. Your Wednesday, January the 31st of 2024. Sports Beat, only 90 minutes tonight. We have to be quiet at 6.30 because Tony Simeone is live in Charlottesville. Courtside for Notre Dame and Virginia. 6.30 pregame, 7 o'clock game time here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. For high school basketball fans, the 4A Washington sectional featuring Mishawaka and Plymouth. That girls basketball sectional game at 8 o'clock can be heard on our sister station, 96-1, the ton. But for the next hour, not a surprise. We're going to be talking all things Notre Dame football here on WSBT Radio. Also in the 6 o'clock hour, I will preview Notre Dame and Virginia. The Irish whooped up on Tony Bennett's team the first time. 76-54, probably the most impressive game that Micah's team has played this year. But as Digger Phelps always says, Eric... It's payback time for the Cavaliers, who have won four consecutive games entering this matchup. And the spread tonight is? 11. 13. Okay. Virginia by 13. A lot of points for a team that doesn't score a whole lot, but doesn't give up a whole lot either. So we'll get into that. So are we looking for a game in the 40s? Well, it was a surprise. It was 76-54 the first time. 
Virginia splits. They they score 67. They give up 54. They're like 394th in the country in scoring, which is basically the bottom of the barrel. My alma mater even scores more in that. The mighty Cougars of SIU Edwardsville. That's how few and far between the Cavaliers score points. Okay. All right. So we have a little sports wagering talk at the end of the program. And it was a 3-0 and night last night making picks on the Big Ten games. I had Indiana plus one. I mean, excuse me, Indiana plus one, Michigan State minus 12, and Illinois minus three. So we cleared the board there with three victories. I'm a little disappointed, Eric. You need to talk to some of your friends down in Bloomington. Illinois and Indiana played on Saturday. Don Fisher lost his voice during the game and had to sit out. Why didn't I get a phone call? I mean, come on. I've been preparing for years for that. I mean, I can say Indiana as well as anybody. The Indiana Ball Club. I'm ready to go. Although I might have been rooting for the other team. <laughs> that might have been a problem. <laughs> How are you at giving updates for the Olympic sports teams? Let's go to Joe Smith. Yogi. Let's just, I, and I, all I have to do is say the first name of players, which is still very, very strange. But hopefully Don is okay now. I assume he was back for the Iowa game last night. I don't know. But Indiana pulled out the victory Last I don't know, night. he's been their announcer since I years. was covering Indiana, which was 100 years ago. Incredible. Incredible. A staple down in Bloomington. You ready for some Notre Dame topics to get this program started? I am. Why don't we do that? Because we had a little bit of an interesting story yesterday develop surrounding the Notre Dame football team. Eventually, we got everything squared away, and Riley Leonard, Mr. Hansen, the brand-new Irish quarterback... I think we can all agree, recently underwent surgery. I'm going to turn the things over to you, and you've reported on this story. You've dug deep and found all the storylines. So you tell us what you know about Riley Leonard. Since he arrived in South Bend, what has happened? What has happened is that he has been taking classes for a couple weeks, and he... Had a physical when he first showed up at Notre Dame, as everybody does. And he did have surgery roughly two weeks ago, which is when the semester started. And it was on the ankle that he hurt in the September 30th game at Duke against, ironically, Notre Dame. He got sacked by Howard Cross the third late in that game. He left the field on crutches after coming out of the game at that point. Um, and then that was an ankle injury that he he would re-aggravate a couple weeks later against Flor- or Florida State. Yes. He missed um, – they had a bye week right after. So on October 7th, they had a bye week. They played NC State on the 14th. He played in that game. Re-injured – the ankle October 21st at Florida State in a loss in which they were very competitive in that game until that point. And then he suffered a turf toe injury the following week against Louisville, and that was the end of him. He was out for the rest of the season. But the surgery, which we know to be minor surgery was done on the ankle that he hurt against Notre Dame. It was the same ankle. It wasn't a new injury. It was 
going back to address the damage that was done. How common is this? Really common for players walking in the door at Notre Dame, especially high school recruits. Um, they will have the surgery at Notre Dame either because they've been playing with an injury and it hasn't been properly diagnosed or they want to wait and have the Notre Dame doctors do it so that they're there for the support and the rehab and all that stuff. Uh, Jack Kaiser comes to mind. Um, Dalen Hayes, yeah. you know, uh, Adon Schuler, just this last year's freshman safety. So there's a lot of guys that this happens to. So this isn't particularly uncommon. What I was told, and I think it's from a very good source, is that the expectation is that Riley Leonard would be participating in spring practice and that he'd be 100% for that. So we'll see. I mean, with surgery, with anything, I mean, you could trip walking off a curb. You can, you can fall, miss a stair coming down from one of your classes and hurt your ankle. So that happened to an Irish quarterback that's before right. the spring game. That's right. So, <laughs> so that could happen. But that is absolutely the expectation is that he'll be ready to go for spring. You would have to imagine he had the physical with the Notre Dame doctors. They probably saw things weren't 100% healed. Yeah, they might have done some things trying to help the ankle, and after a couple of weeks, they probably decided we got to take care of this. That's what I'm assuming probably happened. Well, the great news is we will be talking to Riley Leonard in less than 48 hours, and we can have him spill the tea about everything. Uh, so I am looking forward to that. That'll be his first media availability since he's been a Notre Dame football player. Okay, so right now he's not going to be working out with teammates in individual drills. What do you think he misses right now with this surgery between the surgery and when spring practice begins? And, again, your sources tell you he'll be ready for that, barring yeah. just some hiccup along the way. Yeah, I hate, I hate to speculate too much, but just let's talk about this more generically. With players that have had leg injuries in the past – They've been able to do the upper body stuff, and mm -hmm. sometimes some lower body, just depending on um, what happens. Uh, there, you know, people talk about this being the telescope surgery. Um, Chase Claypool had it one summer when I interviewed him for our old summer magazine at the South Bend Tribune, and he was back pretty quick. He came in on one of those scooters where you got your <laughs> knee bent and stuff. I go, wow. He was having fun with that. But uh, he was back to normal pretty quickly. But I remember his routine was he could do some lower body lifts, um, absolutely all the upper body stuff. You know, would you really want the guy just stationary throwing to teammates on the side? Again, there. I don't know that's hugely important right yeah. now. I would just get better and be ready to roll when practice starts. And you got all summer to work on that stuff, too. Can still go through the middle reps. He's yeah. got all that time in the film room with Coach Denbrock and Coach Caduli. Right. right. Remember, they are not practicing yet. They're doing their own workouts yep. and they're doing, you know, lifting and conditioning and that kind of stuff. So that's what he's potentially missing. All right. So, Eric, with. Riley Leonard undergoing surgery. What does this mean for the other quarterbacks on the depth chart? Steve Angeli, Kenny Minchie, 
C.J. Carr, does this help them in any shape or form? I don't know from the standpoint of does this like help them move up the depth chart. I think it reemphasizes to them that they're one injury away from moving up the depth chart. If he, if Brian Leonard ends up being the number one, it shows you. I mean, Duke played a good portion of its season with its number three quarterback yeah. this year. So, um, so if I'm the number three guy, I'm thinking, okay, well, that could be me. And then you have situation like last year where Sam Hartman, you know, didn't come out of the game very often unless it was for mop-up time or opt-out time. And so um, I think that's where it would uh, affect them. But, you know, I had a question in my live chat today, and I, I thought that was it. it's interesting because this isn't just – one versus two, this is one versus two versus three versus four. I mean, how often has any team had a quarterback that's number four as good as C.J. Carr walking in the door? You know, there's years where C.J. Carr would have been number one walking in the door. I mean, it's think true. about that yeah. some here. Certainly, two I years think, ago? Maybe two years ago, and you think about some of those early Brian Kelly years. And you say, wow, Brian Kelly would have killed to have a guy like that walking in the door. I mean, walking in the door, C.J. Carr is more equipped than Tommy Reese was. Absolutely. Not even close, probably. (laughs) Not even close. Not even close. I mean, Tommy wasn't supposed to play here. If things would have panned out the way I think the coaching staff expected. Fair? Uh, Yes. Yeah, I remember – Brian Kelly, at the end of spring practice, his first spring practice, you know, he begged Tommy to come in early because they had, he was like, I have no quarterbacks. Dane Christ came back early from a a season ending injury. I think that was his ruptured Achilles, or no, that was his ACL. And he was back ahead of schedule, but they had Nate Montana and. Tommy Reese and nothing else. I mean, the cupboard was bare as far as quarterbacks. And uh, and then Brian Kelly was so panicked over Tommy Reese not being what he considered a long or short-term prospect, he begged Andrew Hendricks, Hendricks and, yeah. and Luke Massa, who were oh, at, a ca- at Catholic schools in Cincinnati, to enroll two weeks earlier you know, they weren't allowed to be early enrollees, so they came two weeks earlier than summer school started to get a little bit of a head start when the veterans came in. But Tommy Reese, to his credit, had a transformative summer, both with his body and with his confidence and with the playbook. And when he came back, yeah. he was he passed Nate Montana in a hur- hurry, yeah. and then he was able to win four games as a freshman late in the season when Dane Christ went down, this time with the Achilles. Eric, back to Riley Leonard for a moment as we get to the second of our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. When Riley Leonard is healthy, let's put away injuries, ankle concerns for a moment. How much of a factor can Riley Leonard be in helping the Irish be even more efficient in the red zone this year? I think if he improves his passing, if he's a better passer than he was in 2022, which was his best year, 
I think it's scary because he is such a force in the run game. I don't think people realize how good of a runner he was. He ran for almost 700 yards and averaged basically for his career at Duke yeah. almost six yards a carry and had a lot of touchdowns. He's a bigger quarterback. He's six foot four. Um, and then given the weapons that Notre Dame will have, the tight ends that they will have if everybody nobody has a new ACL injury. Um, yeah. And with the big wide receivers, you know, you have Deion Colsey, you have Jaden Thomas, and then you have some fast receivers. You have those slot receivers, Jaden Greathouse and Jordan Faison, and you have a running game. You know, I think if Notre Dame's offensive line – comes along that's the big if in there absolutely it's all the other pieces are you're like wow 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 yeah red zone that looks pretty good well i tell you what riley's the type of kid when you watch him on film he's physical as you would expect with his size what six three 220 six, pounds four yeah i tell you what he's got a little more giddy up than you expect i mean look at that notre dame tape in the second half, Eric, he was a dominating force in Duke, almost winning that football game. Had it not been for the Sam Hartman heroics, and thank goodness Audrick Estime didn't take a knee, just everything else. I mean, Riley Leonard almost won that football game in the second half for the Duke Blue Devils. All right, third and final topic for tonight. I've had this asked, so I want to bring this to your attention, and, and let's get into the college football playoffs for a moment. As we take a look at how things are going to work, we're now in a Power 4 world. The Power 5 conversation's gone because the Pac-12 is going bye-bye, so the four Power 4 conferences, they get automatic buys in the first round of the college football playoffs. So your four conference champions, one through four. So Notre Dame, the best they can be is the five seed as an independent. Even if they are the number one seed by the selection committee, Notre Dame can be only a five. Now the five, the six, the seven, and the eight get a first round home game. Right. And those games will take place on December 20th and 21st. So Notre Dame could have 40 degrees and sunshine at Notre Dame Stadium. We could have Lake effect snow and minus 10 degrees. So anything's possible. So this is what someone asked me. If the Irish knew that weather conditions were going to be extreme, we're not talking 20 degrees and snow flurries. That's fine. We can play in that. We'd love to have the SEC come up and play in those conditions. But, Eric, the hypothetical if it's a miserably cold day, lake effect snow, it's going to be a tough day to play football. Does Notre Dame or any team that would host a first-round college football playoff game have the opportunity to move the game, or does it have to be played in their home facility? What the NCAA playbook says is that the, the team has the right, the opportunity to select the host venue. So they get, they could have it at their stadium. They could have it at School Field in South Bend. They could have it in Hawaii um, if they wanted to. 
I know that a lot of people think, well, why not Lucas Oil Stadium? I don't know what the availability would be. But remember, from the time that the pairings are announced until when you're playing isn't a long time period. People want to make plans. You know, it's not like the Notre Dame Stadium audience is typical. Just everybody lives in South Bend and they get in their cars and drive. And, oh, if you move it to Indianapolis, <laughs> they'll just drive down to Indianapolis. And the lousy weather that was too too severe to play in. Going to drive uh, through. <laughs> yeah. And, but, so people are flying in. They, they have plans. They have hotels. Are you kidding me? You're going to move it to Indianapolis. You would almost have to have that preordained right. or, or just an incredible emergency uh, where they wouldn't be able to get into South Bend anyways that their flights would be canceled. I. I think I would do everything that first year to play in Notre Dame Stadium, and really every year, not just from a financial standpoint, but from the home field advantage, the familiarity from your team. And it's going to be an advantage, especially if you're playing a team from another part of the country. If you're playing Ohio State, not as much of an advantage. But if you're playing Florida State, yeah, I mean – we we all saw how uncomfortable Miami was at the <laughs> Sun Bowl back in 2010 or Florida State a few years ago when they came up in November. No and interest. The, yeah, and the Notre Dame guys, a bunch of them came out for warm-ups without their shirts on to psych them out. That was the game uh, Wimbush stepped in and, oh, that's right. and played, um, started because Book was hurt. Crazy, crazy. So you really can't move it unless you have just the greatest farmer's almanac of all time and knowing what it's going to do on those two days. If you just say, you know what, we don't want to mess with this and Lucas Oil Stadium is available and they're willing, uh, but I just don't see Notre Dame giving that away. I think that home game is too valuable. And the perception – is with the way college football is now kind of percolating, there's probably going to be a good number of SEC and Big Ten teams getting those wild card bursts. So there's a really good chance you could have a Florida, an Ole Miss, yeah. an Alabama. It's a funny Texas to say A&M. a Big Ten team averse to cold weather, but USC and UCLA. Washington would be okay. Oregon yeah. would be okay probably in that. But, yeah, there's there's some now Big Ten teams where they would not enjoy playing in the go. Midwest. Wow. What has happened? Yeah, we talked a little bit of off the air. I think, again, the biggest challenge for Notre Dame in this scenario is what to do about exams. That's usually yeah. exam week leading up to that date and so would they be able to take exams early and have a full week of practice unimpeded going into that playoff game have exams maybe the week before and then have some looser practices the week before because you're going to know who your opponent is and we haven't had the chance to talk about this I was actually going to do a segment on this last night when the Riley Leonard stuff happened but folks it's going to take a month for this playoff to take place. It's going to start on a Friday, December 20th. You get one game, probably in prime time. And then Saturday, you get a triple header on the 21st. So it's almost like the old, you wake up on New Year's Day, you get the Fiesta Bowl, then the Rose Bowl, then the Orange and the Sugar at night. You knew what was going to happen. We're going to have a triple header of college football playoff action on the 21st. And then we branch out to the bowl games and ultimately – 
we get down to Atlanta and kind of the Peach Bowl will be the championship on January the 20th. So for two teams that make it to the championship, next year's freshmen who are going to early enroll are going to arrive on campus and take Mm -hmm. a class before this year's football team will because they're going to be getting ready for the national championship game. Welcome to the new landscape of college football. And if you're going to be a fan following your favorite team, save some bucks. You're going to have a lot of air miles. I guess you're going to accumulate, but you could be going from coast to coast. That's how things are going to play out. Yeah, and it's you're not going to have you know tons of time to get the super saver fares. <laughs> no. <laughs> you better be a good guesser. Yeah. <laughs> that would help you to say the least. All right, that's our hat trick of opening topics for tonight. Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. My name is Darren Pritchett. When we come back, I want to discuss something that Eric and his colleague, Tyler James at InsideIndieSports.com, they had a discussion on their Monday at 7 o'clock football show called Football Never Sleeps. You can always catch that on YouTube.com. Again, Football Never Sleeps with Eric and Tyler. They had a discussion on Notre Dame players who over the next couple of months might be in a now or never situation. What we're saying is they need to show up and perform or they might get passed on the depth chart and never get another opportunity. So who's on that list offensively and defensively? We'll have that conversation coming up next, 533 at WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Complete phase on five into the end zone, middle of the field, touchdown Irish. Steve ball, there's Mitchell. Who's got it? Chris Mitchell. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Running to the 15-10 and into the end zone goes Deion Colsey. That's a strike and it's a touchdown. Bo Collins got free in the back of the end zone for six. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown, Shaden Greathouse. Spinning into the end zone. Touchdown, Irish, Shaden Thomas. Along with Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. My name is Darren Pritchett, 537. Sportsbeat continues on this Wednesday evening, brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. Bethel University, adult and graduate studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at FeedIndiana.org. Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. And the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Monday night, 7 o'clock. Football never sleeps on YouTube.com. It is must-see 
Do we call it TV on YouTube.com? Yeah, because you can get YouTube TV on your there you go. television. So it's like the old Thursday nights on NBC. It's, it's must-see TV as Eric and Tyler James host Football Never Sleeps. They talk Notre Dame football every Monday night at 7 o'clock on YouTube.com. One of the topics this week was what Notre Dame players need to look at the next couple of months as maybe now or never. Show up produce or you might get lapped on the depth chart and who knows you might not get another opportunity to impress so are there a lot of those players out there I'm curious to see what Eric thinks so Eric let's go on the offensive side of the football are there a couple of players that immediately come to you that this spring practice coming up could be now or never for them at Notre Dame we can never say never ever with the transfer portal but here in South Bend who those players might be yeah uh tyler came up with a lot of these names i had done a different exercise about who needed to have strong winner which included yeah. young guys and now or never guys but tosh baker is a guy that comes to mind six foot eight 315 he'll be a grad student and he does have a sixth year of eligibility as well he is in the last class that has that COVID exemption but you know, he's going to be competing with Emil Wagner and Charles Jagusa. You have a really high-end prospect in Gary Lambert coming in the door in June. And if he doesn't win the job this spring going into fall, when would he win the job? He's got younger people leaping over him. And then I would say um, Dion Colsey, I agree with Tyler there. Uh, six foot four senior to be he'll have junior eligibility he got a redshirt year injury redshirt year last year um, and he has Jaden Thomas in front of him and then he'll have Bo Collins coming in at his boundary receiver position in June Bo Collins is the Clemson transfer who's already on campus but he's taking his classes remotely so that he can go to team meetings. He can do some lifting when the team isn't there. He's not allowed to do that per NCAA rules, but he can work with Lauren Lando, the new director of uh, sports Hmm. football performance. He and um, Rod Hurd II are both in that boat where they're getting their degrees remotely, so they are not in spring practice, but they will be around for it. Okay. All right, so those are some names on offense. Tosh Baker, offensive lineman, wide receiver, Deion Colsey. Now to the defensive side of the football where there are a lot of fun, talented parts coming back from last year's great defense. But as we look at the depth chart, a player or two on the defensive side of the football that could be facing that now or never spring. I would say... This one is kind of a young player, but he hasn't moved up the depth chart, and and he's moved laterally to different positions, and it's Tyson Ford. He was a top 50 player coming out, has been incredibly patient, incredibly hardworking, has a great attitude, but there are people starting to jump him that are younger than him on the depth chart. And I think him settling either in at defensive tackle or field end is going to help him, one or the other, because he's changed his body twice. You know, he's gotten up into the 290s. He went back down to the 270s. He's right about 280 right now. So which way do they want him to go? 
um, really talented young man. And we saw in the Blue Gold game last year, there there were some later reps in the second half where he got them at field end, and he had a burst. I mean, he looked good at the field end. So um, he would be the absolute one that comes to mind for me. Uh, Tyler came up with Drake Bowen. I, I mm. think that's a little bit harsh because I think – A little early. I think because Jack Kaiser will leave after this season. He is out of eligibility, so he can't <laughs> come back for a seventh season. Um, and I think Drake, even if Kingston Viliamu Asa beats him out for the starting middle linebacker position this season, I think Drake could win the will linebacker next season. I mean, he'd have to compete with a lot of other guys too, but, I mean, that's in the cards. I think what gets ticklish is how does Drake handle baseball this year and going forward? He is an important piece in the Notre Dame baseball picture from a standpoint of being a power hitter, a corner outfielder. He didn't play at all last year when the expectation was that he would dabble in it some. He just didn't because it was a little overwhelming getting all the academics as an early enrollee. Nobody's ever done that. They've come in and played as freshmen, but not early enrolled freshmen played both sports. So it'll be interesting to see what he wants to do. And being a position player and doing the two sports is a lot harder than being a pitcher. So he could put himself behind Kingston Villiamuasa, and then he would be you know, Jalen Sneed yeah. may say, hey, I want to play inside uh, going forward. Bodie Cahoon will be here, Preston Zinner. There's a lot of good young linebackers, and Notre Dame's recruiting some really good ones. So, uh, but, but I think never might be strong. Now or reassess may be better. <laughs> I've got two names for you. Okay. I want you to tell me yay or nay on these. The first one has a lot to do with health, but I think with how things are going at the position, it could be a now or never for Kevin Bauman at tight end. Yeah, I again, with his injury history, he's That's, had three yeah. long-term injuries, two season-ending, one season-consuming. Um, and you wonder if now he works as if he's going to play forever. I mean, the guy was – Right after he tore his ACL again in August, he was out doing stuff on the field, doing off-to-the-side workouts. But you wonder if medical retirement's in the future for him. I think he'd like to give it one more shot. And he also has that sixth-year possibility. He could come back in 2025 and play. It's funny because guys that are older actually have more eligibility than some of the guys that are younger than them because of that COVID cutoff. You got Evans, Raritan, Flanagan's coming on very, very quickly. So the numbers came. The other, this is a guy that kind of won the offseason before last year. Then we didn't hear much from him during the season. I don't know if you put him in this category, so I'll ask you. Now or never, is it close for Jason Onye? I, I, he has to take advantage of winter and spring with Gabe Rubio not being on the roster. Okay. Um, Gabe Rubio is away from football this semester, away from Notre Dame football. I got asked about this in chat today. I want to be clear. Could he come back and play at Notre Dame in 2024? Yes. Will he? We're going to have to find out. I, I think that's the most likely scenario, but okay. it's not guaranteed. 
But while Gabe Rubio isn't there, he needs to take advantage of those reps and become so dependable and such a, you know, he's got two really good players in front of him and Howard Cross and and um, Riley Mills, yeah. and he can play either of those interior positions. He's got to become indispensable that they really need him in that rotation because there's young guys coming like Donovan Heinish is is creeping and up and and uh, Devin Houston. All right, make it something that you should do every Monday at seven o'clock. Go to YouTube.com. Football never sleeps is what you type. I believe in the search and the latest installment. Live featuring Eric and Tyler James from InsideIndieSports.com. You never know what they're going to talk about. <laughs> All right. 540, we don't either. <laughs> 546. Now I know better than that. I think dabbling in radio, you've you've learned to put things in order of, of importance. So there's been you know, I do. I crossover cop- success. I work off of your blueprint and I say this is how Darren does it so I'm going to do so it. So I'm going to do the opposite. All right, 547, we've got the Twitter question of the day next on WSBT. This is the Budweiser's weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Along with Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at insideindiesports.com. My name is Darren Pritchett 551 at WSBT. Each weekday, our Twitter X question of the day, our sports feed, InsideIndieSports.com Twitter question of the day is published on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Yesterday, I asked you the hypothetical. It's December. Notre Dame football is hosting a first-round college football playoff game. If the day of the game featured temperatures around 10 degrees, you had wind, some snow, how would you like to watch the game? At Notre Dame Stadium, go to a sports bar, or just watch it at home in the man cave. You would be at Notre Dame Stadium, of course. <laughs> well, I would be in the press box, but if I were a fan, I would absolutely be at Notre Dame Stadium. I have I, I have all the right coats, hats, gloves, <laughs> and I bought a scarf at Amazon when we went to minus seven, and I didn't have that walking from my car to the arena you're a seasoned veteran you've done a bowl game at yankee stadium that had no windows in the press box the the other thing is the garth brook the first garth brooks concert with the freezing rain i have never been so cold in my life and i will never forget that concert i i would do it again if i had to so yeah i mean for the history of it i don't know if i would continually go back but Certainly that first one, absolutely I wouldn't mess up. Well, it's all Garth Brooks' fault because he reminded Brian Kelly to call Baton Rouge. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Ed McMahon. <laughs> oh, Johnny. <laughs> okay. The vote, sports bar got 1.5%. At home, 40%. At Notre Dame Stadium, 58.5%. Good for you. Here is today's question. What is your best guess to what the Notre Dame quarterback depth chart will look like, kind of hypothetically, coming out of spring practice? Three choices. Leonard and Jelly Minchie. Leonard, Minchie, and Jelly. And Jelly, Leonard, Minchie. Do you want to vote now or wait for tomorrow? I'll vote now, but I'm... I'm... It's interesting you didn't have a C.J. Carr option in there. If I had more options, if I had five or six options, I could have worked him in in different ways, but I just didn't think it was realistic, right? 
Or am I wrong? Oh, I wait. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> as talented as he is, anything is possible. Okay. Uh, but not, not high simple. up. I mean, at least getting to three is, is possible. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Now, the thing is, I love Kenny, Kenny Minchie. But see, if I would have said during fall practice, one of these could be gone. And then Carr slips in. But at the end of the spring, before the portal movement maybe happens again, I'm just figuring I got to give the three guys here the first shot. I, I would okay. I would agree. I think it's going to be Leonard, Angeli, Minchie. But I would never discount what C.J. Carr could do. I, I think he, he committed so early to Notre Dame that people are not anywhere near as excited as they should be that he's on campus. All right. Vote on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Now let's find out what's coming up on Eric's website, InsideIndieSports.com. We had a really fun chat today, live chat today. I couldn't get to all the questions, but the ones I did get to, hopefully I answered them well. Um, So the transcript is up. We also have Owen Strebig, a big-time offensive lineman from Wisconsin. He set his commitment date, so read all about that from Charleston Bulls. Uh, we have where all the Notre Dame coaches are recruiting this week. Yes. Uh, the latest on Riley Leonard and his ankle and much, much more. <laughs> I look forward to checking it out tonight when I get home. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna see if he asks me questions about my ankle on Friday. Well, tomorrow we are doing a chat recap, so I'm going to go through your chat and see if anyone from Bloomington maybe asked a question. <laughs> All right, Eric. Somebody ju- from Australia did. No kidding. Brisbane. Isn't that crazy? Or Melbourne. Unbelievable. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Sounds great. All right, 6 o'clock hour coming up. I'll preview Notre Dame, Virginia coming up in a couple of moments. Budweiser's weekday sports beat, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.